welcome, welcome. This is the Woman Inspired Podcast. You're in the zone with Karen, <laughs> the podcast zone. And I am one woman who is inspired. I'm hoping that this podcast episode will inspire you as well. If you have not tuned in before, please, please do after you listen to this podcast. Hop on out to womaninspired.com and you can check out all of the details. I'd love for you to head over there uh, because I also have an event calendar. There is a wonderful retreat coming up in September. So if you're in the Kentucky or Indiana area, hop on out there and check it out. You can also um, go to womaninspired.com for all kinds of details on how to register for that event and to see what other podcasts I do, as well as how to schedule me for your next conference or retreat. I'm scheduling now for the end of 2023 and all through 2024 and beyond if you are one of those people that organize that far in advance. So uh, you'll find all the details there, including how to reach me. Alrighty then, if you're new here or old here or seasoned or not, you should know that I start out each podcast episode with what I like to call a pod quote, sometimes more than one. And it's just a, a tad bit of an encouragement, a scripture or something that's hopefully a little thought provoking. I know that can be dangerous, right? <laughs> All right. So today's pod quote is by Sheba Sana. Ready for it? All right, here it goes. If shoes had eyes, it would be amazing as well as devastating to realize just what it takes to walk in someone else's shoes. Interesting, isn't it? All right. Uh, so one of the things I naturally have on my resume is that I speak at women's conferences and retreats. I've been doing that for over 23 years now, and I've been blessed with this opportunity to reach women and sometimes men too all over the country more than, um, more than a few years back. <clears throat> uh, well, looking for a part-time job locally to help supplement income. I applied for jobs at various churches after we had moved from one town to another due to my husband's job. And one time during an interview at a church, they asked me to share with them a bit about this speaking and teaching and what it means to me. So there I sat in front of a panel of 12 different people on this uh, hiring committee, including the senior pastor, whom I'd already talked to for, you know, a few different times before the interview. And he asked me, he said, Karen, I'm wondering when you're up there speaking in front of a large group of people and you look out and you see people fidgeting in the pew or in their chairs and then their heads start to bob up and down and they're starting to nod off, what do you do? How do you handle that? Me being me, I promptly looked at him and said, well, I don't know, pastor. I've never had that happen. How do you handle it? And that, my friends, is why I got hired for the job because I made them laugh. But laughter comes with my shoes. It just fits me. It suits me. You know, the, the title for this podcast episode is the shoes that fit you best. Well, these are some of the shoes that fit me best because I'm walking and doing, uh, walking where and doing what God wants me to do. That's uh, how I handle things is I operate in the shoes that fit me best. Nearly my whole family uh, likes to 
be punny and quirky and funny. And we have a extremely quick wit and sense of humor. I mean, cousins, brothers, sisters, parents, aunts, uncles, even people I, I don't see often. I have no doubt that they also have a quick wit if they are in my family and a pretty good sense of humor. Now that does not extend to everyone, but mostly everyone. <laughs> it, but it wasn't just this household that I was raised in, although that definitely, uh, was a part of my family growing up. We, we are just a cracked up, unique, hilarious family, but I actually think it's in our DNA somehow. So, so that's part of the path that I walk laughing, making people laugh. And somewhere in there must be a gene. There's gotta be some sort of genetic thing that makes, uh, that makes this possible. And I also kind of like to make people cry. I don't like to make people cry. I just do make people cry. Not cause like I step on their foot or, you know, run over them with a grocery cart. Uh, just because part of what I do and part of what I'm gifted to do is to move other people and reach them and affect them. And so I try to just pour out what the Lord gives me and step back and see what happens. And sometimes that includes amazing laughter and sometimes that includes tears. But again, these are the shoes that I walk in. Would I want to walk in anyone else's shoes? Um, I used to think so. Sure, I might want to experience different things, but I've come to a place in my life where I am decidedly content most of the time. And right where with God has me right now, basically, with this path and these shoes that I'm in. And when I'm not content, then I know it's my own fault. It's me. It's my self-dissatisfaction and distraction, sometimes a lack of faith, to be quite honest. So I doubt there's anyone out there, though, who would say they'd want to walk in my shoes for even a day or a week and definitely not a year. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side, that kind of scenario. The shoes always look fancier. Well, sometimes those shoes hurt, right? The grass is usually greener because there's more manure on the other side. It's just, those are the things that we, we have to endure with the blessings come responsibility with the blessings come sometimes stress and, and difficult challenges that we have to handle. So first of all, physically speaking, if I were to have someone walk in my shoes for a day or a week, it would have to be somebody who has big feet because I wear a size 11 shoe. <laughs> yeah. If you saw me, you'd laugh because I'm not six foot tall or six foot two, although I should be. And I got robbed. Um, I have the hands of a basketball player. I have long fingers, large hands, the shoulders of a football player, and the, you know, basically the feet of someone who is over six feet tall and should be in the WNBA, but my body did not follow suit. Other than that, I think about my life and I think it's, it's just not that extraordinary or unique, is it? I mean, it, sometimes it can be humdrum, ho-hum, blah, 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 but usually not. And it's definitely not boring. I'm not allowed to say the word boring or my mom will find something for me to do, even if I'm not in the same house as her. So please don't tell her I said that. Um, I know she can sense it though, but other people hear about things that I've done and the travels I've had and they say, wow, you have an amazing life. And don't get me wrong. I, I do believe I have an amazing life. I am blessed, but I also work hard. I've had so much to be thankful for. But is it any greater, any more wow than someone else's life and walking in their shoes? Probably not because it, each one is unique to themselves, right? Each one's, each person's path is unique to what their life purpose is. So would someone really want to be in my shoes and all that it entails? 
I'm not so sure that they would. If for some reason someone did want to take a stroll in my shoes for 24 hours or let's say a week or even a year, they'd have to be able to laugh or learn how to grow a sense of humor pretty quickly. And they'd have to be able to put on their funky shoes and their crazy socks that are really colorful and say, the heck with it. Doesn't matter what anybody thinks about that, whatever it is, and know that it's going to be okay. And it's okay to laugh. You know, there are a lot of things I'm not good at, but laughter, that is one thing that I can do. Seeing the brighter side of things, the quirkier side of things, seeing things from a crazier viewpoint, focusing on the goofy side of circumstances, that is something I can definitely do. You know, one time I was asked to speak to a senior citizens group and they asked me if I could share a little bit about my faith journey. That was it. That's all the info they gave me. And it was, it was like, wow, just kind of having a blanket open, open invitation to say whatever I want, which, which is typical, but yet usually there's some sort of a theme, something sport more specific than, Hey, just share your journey. Um, so it was great. And yet it was a little daunting because it leaves so many options of what I could possibly say. It's, it's enjoyable when a church or a women's conference contacts me and says, Hey, we have this scripture as a theme and we want to do a conference on this topic. Can you come address the ladies and share about this topic? Because even though I may not know uh, that much about the topic at the time, or I know just a little bit about the scripture, I can study it and I can write about it and I can pray into it. And the Holy Spirit will show me and lead me what to say, as long as I you know, get out of his way. Um, it's a little more difficult when someone just has a blanket. Hey, come talk to us. You know, I could talk about chocolate because I love chocolate. I could talk about gardening or, or grocery shopping or cooking. I don't know. Um, I could talk about just about anything, but as usual, the Holy Spirit did not disappoint when I went to speak to the senior group. I did not talk about grocery cards, <laughs> although uh, years, this was years ago. And I actually do have some hilarious stories about grocery cards now, but I did talk about my shoes. I know that's a crazy thing to talk about, but I went to a senior group and I talked about shoes since they wanted to know a little bit about my journey. That got me to thinking about what I've been saying in this podcast, walking in my own shoes in the shoes that fit me best, or rather than walking in someone else's shoes. Since they wanted me to share a bit of my faith journey and a few things about myself, I had to kind of pare down all the things I could share and pick and choose what info was pertinent to share and what I felt led to share without talking for hours. So I turned to the Bible and one of my favorite passages from Hebrews is therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross scorning at shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So my challenge was to realize that this scripture that I love so much, it reminds me that I have to persevere in the race that is marked out for me and keep my eyes fixed on Jesus because he's the perfecter of my faith. Um, and, and, I won't grow weary and lose heart if I continue to keep my eyes 
where they need to. You know, Jesus had the cross that he had to endure before him, but he kept his eyes focused on the joy that was to come later. So the more I thought about that passage, I knew that the answer uh, to what I wanted to say and what I wanted to share was tied to my passion and my longing to continue to endure to have endurance, to keep moving forward and to take heart in the fact that the Lord is my source of strength and my help on this journey, in this walk, on the day to day, step by step, foot by foot, footfall by foot, footfall, let's say footfall. Every time I move my foot, I want to be walking where God wants me to walk. I want to be in my shoes, in these shoes that God gave for me. So naturally, I turned to my closet for assistance. Yes, my closet to my shoes to be more precise. So I showed up to the luncheon where I was supposed to speak with this huge Rubbermaid container filled with various pairs of shoes. Since I have such a hard time finding shoes that fit me and ones that don't hurt my feet, I learned early on to take good care of them. I actually had shoes in that Rubbermaid container that were over 20 years old. I took them out one pair at a time, not in any particular order. I just pulled them out. I didn't have much of a plan here or any kind of a script to go off of. I didn't even have notes like I normally do. I just thought, hey, I'm going to pull them out of this Rubbermaid container one pair at a time and go from there. So I pulled out some sturdy work boots that have amazing tread on them. And they were brown with black laces. They came high up on my ankles because I, I bought them to take with me to New York City when I served there for seven days, starting on September 13th, 2001. And those boots took me down an empty Wall Street. It was covered with soot. They took me through the halls of the abandoned airport hangar on our disaster, where our disaster relief group slept. Um... And, and where we took turns on feeding crews and they took me to be loaded into Red Cross vehicles to go downtown to pass out water to firefighters and police officers and the National Guard in New York City. Then came out my brown flowered boots. Now these boots are lined with corduroy. So comfy. So it sounds odd, but they're very comfortable, especially warm on days when 12 inches of snow falls on top of the freezing rain from the night before. These are the boots I was wearing when I was trying to defrost and clean off my car, frozen as it was under 12 inches of snow. And the temperatures were just right so that as I leaned over to clean the windshield, my coat got stuck to the car. And the tassels from the bottom of my coat on the coat strings had gotten slammed in the car door, unbeknownst to me. So as I tried to move, I couldn't. My body heat created just enough of a temperature difference that I froze to the side of my car. <laughs> Praise God for my neighbor. I'm, I'm here I am facing the house kind of twisted with one arm across my car and my sleeve frozen to the windshield, my body frozen to the side of the car. And I hear someone say, Karen, um, are you okay? I'm like, no, I think my car likes me too much. <laughs> uh, then, then there were the shiny black leather dress boots that I brought out that I have had for, at that point for over 20 years. Uh, I had had them resold twice before then. I still have them, by the way. I wore those to the courthouse the day that I adopted my son. Okay, so one by one, I pulled out shoe or pairs of shoe after pairs of shoes. Goofy slippers. 
not funny, like literally goofy from Disney slippers, uh, deck shoes, sandals. And then I pulled out leg casts, a small boot, a large boot that goes up to the knee, a cast I cut off my leg that I kept because I decorated it so beautifully, <laughs> uh, knee braces, ankle braces. You see, unless you've walked in my shoes, you might only see that I served in New York City after the terror attacks on 9-11. You might only see that I love the snow and that I like to hike and go on adventures. But what you wouldn't be able to see is why those braces, those casts, and those orthotic boots are in my closet with my shoes or why I have them in a Rubbermaid container. It's because they're part of my faith journey too. They're part of my walk, part of my challenge to keep content on this journey and try to have endurance as I walk it. You might be thinking, like the people I was speaking to that day, well, shoes are just shoes, right? Yes, but no. Shoes can be a sign of status, right? They, you could have, uh, what are those, Manola Blahniks. You could have... I probably said that wrong. You, all these kinds of shoes that cost hundreds and thousands of dollars. So it can be a sign of status or of culture. What kind of culture do you live in? What kind of country do you live in? Or they can be a sign that you have pain or that you're in financial need or of what profession you're in or even of what religion you are. For most of us who live anywhere from poverty level on up to great wealth in the United States, most of us have a choice what kind of shoes we have. We at least have one or two pairs of shoes, and we might be able to go to a thrift store or a Walmart or a Goodwill or to a high-end shoe store in the mall and be able to choose another pair of shoes if we want them. But shoes are not one-size-fits-all, and they do tell a story of sorts about each of us, don't you think? You know, when you go to buy a pair of shoes, there are so many different kinds of shoes. There are high heels, mid heels, strappy shoes, sandals, flip flops, work boots, snow boots, boots with zippers, cowboy boots. There are shoes with sparkly things and colors and different kinds of tread and tennis shoes or high tops. One of my favorites, by the way, and thousands of different brands under the sun. And just a note here in case you couldn't tell I love shoes. Um, I don't wear high heels anymore because I can't, but I still love shoes and my pink and black converse all-star high tops are currently some of my favorite and probably always will be they fit me perfectly I got them at a consignment shop for $12 by the way don't hate me don't hate me <laughs> but they were practically brand new and I used to have yellow ones with daisies on them those were my absolute favorite shoes but I gave them away to someone who needed shoes and wore the same size as I do I don't have them anymore and while I did the right thing I still mourn them yes I do <laughs> And I have not been able to find a pair of pale yellow Converse All-Stars with daisies on them like those in a size 11 since then. So if you're listening to this and you know where I can find some, please email me. All right. So we know there is no way that you could make, that they can make shoes that are one size fits all though, right? This is why I take good care of my shoes and I try not to take for granted the ones that I have because they are so hard to find, especially since I have issues with my joints. You know, I've had broken bones and it makes it impossible to wear just any old shoe. And so I sometimes change my shoes more than once throughout the day because of pain in my feet. But even if they had shoes that were one size fits all, I doubt I would be in that group of 
all. They really shouldn't create clothing that they say is one size fits all either, because we all know that that's not truly an accurate term for anything in life. Can we just all declare right now that the one size fits all marketing scheme is a big lie? Thank you very much. I know for me, I don't like any shoe that's too tight around my toes. And a one size fits all would surely be too tight around my toes. I don't want any of those. Uh, have you ever seen them? Those pointed shoes that try to push your toes, kind of your big toe and your baby toe get pushed to the center. Oh, those are excruciating. They are, you know, these toes, my big toe, my baby toe, they're not neighbors naturally on my feet. They're not wanting to be. And one of those piggies is off eating roast beef and the other one is off going wee 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 all the way home they don't need to meet inside that pointy painful shoe so let's do away with those shoes that's my opinion all right I still don't want any shoe that's trying to make my heel raise 10 inches higher off the ground uh, than it already is okay my body was not designed that way folks yes it may give me an instant butt lift but I'm sorry my butt can stay right where it is I don't need the pain in my feet but what fits me or suits me or meets my needs may not be what fits or suits someone else. As I said before, I wear a size 11 shoe because, you know, it's funny because <laughs> I do comedy routines and sometimes I will talk about shoes and I make fun of shoes and feet and all kinds of things like that. When I tell people that I wear a size 11 shoe, some people literally gasp. <laughs> It's hilarious. I used to be shocked by it. I thought, what? what's so shocking about, because I'm so used to wearing a size 11 shoe. Now I laugh because they just see me and they think there's no way I could wear a size 11, but I do. And since I do wear a size 11, I don't want to try to fit into a size eight. I don't want to mash and push my feet or be in something that causes me the inability to walk. You can imagine someone like a really tall NBA player trying to squeeze him or herself into a girl size six tennis shoe. It would be impossible. And not only would it look ridiculous, I mean, maybe just the big toe would fit in that little shoe, but it wasn't meant to be. It's not the right fit. It's not the best shoe for that person. My point being is that walking in somebody else's shoes, first of all, it really isn't possible. It's not. Yes, the thought of swapping lives and circumstances of someone else for a day so they can learn some lessons and, and maybe it would make for a nice movie that, I mean, that's out there, but it's not possible. And yeah, maybe you might want to be in someone else's shoes for a day because you think they've got it all together, that they've got every blessing under the sun. But I think you would be surprised. It would definitely give us the gift of empathy, right? If we could walk in someone else's shoes, but we all have our own shoes we're supposed to wear. We all have our own path we're called to walk. And I don't believe that that guarantees you empathy anyway, just because you walk in someone else's shoes. I'll address that in a second. But my friends, contrary to common belief and contrary to the way much of our world today is acting, we don't have to walk in somebody else's shoes in order to have empathy for what they're going through or appreciate their walk. Yes, if we were able to, to be where someone else was and see exactly what someone else saw and endure exactly what someone else endured and possibly even feel what someone else felt, then we would pretty much have no course of action except to accept this amazing level of empathy for their position and for where they are and what they're going through. We may go through something similar to another person, and so we can empathize with that person more easily. But what about those who we have very little in common with? 
What about those who we don't really understand their walk? We don't understand what at all what it's like to be in their shoes. What do we do then? We don't get the opportunity to walk in their shoes. But I don't think we're supposed to either. Wouldn't it be easy for all of us to empathize and have compassionate feelings for someone else or to do the right thing if we knew exactly how someone else felt because we've been in their exact position? Wouldn't it be much easier in life if we all experienced the exact same things because then we would all be on the same playing field and we we would never have quarrels or wars or fights and we could all understand each other to a T. Sure, it would be easier, but that's not how life is. You may not empathize because you've not been in someone else's shoes. But that doesn't mean you can't empathize. It just takes work. The word empathize means the action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experiences of another. Do you get that? I mean, it means being aware sensitive to and vicariously experiencing the feelings of others. And vicariously means realized through imaginative or sympathetic participation in the experience of another. In other words, you can imagine what it's like to be in someone else's shoes and have sympathy and empathy for them. You don't have to actually walk their walk or live their life in order to have empathy or to be sensitive or understanding of someone else's life and circumstances. Is it good for us all to connect with others who have something in common that we have something in common with? Absolutely. I want to hear from other people who have been there, done that, whatever there and that is that I have experienced. So I don't feel alone. So I know that someone else gets it. But that doesn't mean that someone has to have been there and done that whatever that is, or experienced what I've experienced themselves in order to empathize with me and be kind to me and be understanding or care for me or have concern and respect for what I've been through. I have something called vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome or VEDS. You might start to hear a little bit more about that in the media this year because it's starting to have more focus put on it. Now that there's been a whole lot of work done for EDS awareness and there have been one or two athletes and celebrities who have it themselves or family members who have it. And anytime a celebrity can put the focus on a medical condition or a disease or a disorder, then the more awareness happens and then more money and more funding gets fueled into that particular cause to help spotlight it and fund research on it. And I think that's a good thing. And it's no different with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, but EDS is considered rare and sadly not many doctors, not many ERs and insurance companies are familiar with it. But so what is vascular EDS? Briefly, though definitely not all inclusive as a definition, it's a rare disorder of connective tissues that is characterized by easy bruising, joint hypermobility, which means loose joints, skin laxis, lax, laxitis, <laughs> loose skin, <laughs> weakness of tissues. Um, it's a collagen disorder that where your body produces too much collagen and it causes connective tissue issues. And there are different subsets of EDS like vascular, which is what I have. And it, so it affects the joints, but also it affects my internal organs, my arteries and my blood vessels. So I have this body that doesn't always want to comply with what I want it to do. 
My body has connective tissue. I said, I have tissue issues <laughs> and collagen issues. And to keep it as simple as possible, let's just say areas of my body that should be holding my joints and bones in place don't always do it very well. The tendons and the ligaments, they move too much. They're too stretchy. They're too elastized. Um, so they don't properly hold everything together. There are days I feel like one of those little wooden marionettes. You know, if you let the string go, all of its various parts go this way and that, and it drops to the floor. <laughs> I have too much ability to stretch and move about. So that means uh, my shoulder might dislocate while I'm reaching to get a fork or a knee might sublex, which means partially dislocate while I'm walking the dog. And I'm, I'm prone to a whole lot of other things that cause pain. I have a handicap placard in my car and I don't always use it. In fact, I try to use it as little as possible, but there are days that I know when I get up out of bed that I might have trouble when I go on an errand or maybe right before I'm heading to go somewhere, I can feel some sort of instability in my ankle or my knee or my hip. And I know I can make it through the store, but I might have a hard time coming back out of the store. So I use the placard. I pop it into my rear view mirror and I just kind of go on. Or I might actually get into the car and upon getting into the car, something pops out of place. It happens. So I have to accommodate and, and plan for these kinds of things. So when I pull into a store and I park in a handicap spot and I put that little placard in my window and I get out of my car, I often just kind of look like everybody else when I get out of the car, because you can't always look at someone and tell if there is an issue or a disability or pain going on. So I may be walking slowly or, or maybe walking fine or maybe limping a lot. And what frequently comes at me when this happens though, are negative comments from other people. Not every day or every time, but frequently. And not usually, though, if I'm with my husband. Yeah, chew on that result for a minute there, everyone. Um, but I might get told something negative like, oh, I see your handicap must be mental. Or they say, you have no right to be parking in a handicap parking. Or they might be oh so cowardly and leave me a note like someone did one time that says, I saw you get out of your car. Being overweight is not a handicap. It's called laziness. Yes, this is the kind of world we live in and the way some people choose to be. And just for the record, this happens at grocery stores, the library, the mall, which I don't go to the mall very much, but, and it has happened at church parking lots as well. So there are times that I think, wouldn't it be nice if I could just say to someone like that, who is telling me that my physical pain is all in my head, or it's, I'm, I'm don't need a handicap placard because I don't have a handicap issue. I don't have a disability. Wouldn't it be great if I could just say to one of them that they can have my shoes to walk in for a little bit, or I could pass on my good old size 11s, not the pink, pink Converse All-Stars. Um, but because I don't care how much of a point I want to make, um, as much as I want to, I don't know that it would make a difference, right? If they actually walked in my shoes, if they actually, because people sometimes become jaded and it doesn't matter what you do, they don't want to empathize. Sometimes I just want to say here, just for a few days, really, truly walk in my shoes. Please do feel what I feel. Experience what it's like to have your shoulder dislocate or your knee sublex or the pain that it is to try to prop yourself up with seven pillows every night to go to sleep. So nothing falls out of place, hopefully, um, and wake up in excruciating pain in the morning. Please walk in these shoes. 
my orthopedic ones, my low heels, the no heels, the flats and the slippers. And, and with all the orthotics work hard to lift that laundry basket without popping out a rib, by the way, wear my ring splints. So your fingers don't dislocate when they feel loose, take a deep breath and pray, pray, pray that the next ER trip doesn't reveal another aneurysm walk in my shoes. That's what I want to say, but that can't happen. We all have our own journey. We have to slip our shoes on for, we all have our own challenges and adventures. We all have our own battles. We're supposed to gird ourselves for, we all have our own path that we have to walk on. We all have, if you will, our own set of shoes designed for this adventure, the shoes that fit us best that are designed for this life designed for this particular path that God has presented to each of us. He has a purpose for each of us on this path. He has a bunch of somethings that he wants each of us to do. Yet one of my challenges is living victoriously and authentically and embracing my genetically inherited gift of laughter while managing my genetically inherited Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Maybe one of your challenges you have is to walk in the shoes of someone who has multiple sclerosis or cancer or a learning disability, or an addiction, or being the sole caregiver at age 19, maybe of all your brothers and sisters, or of an ailing parent, or maybe one of the, the crosses you have to bear in the shoes that you're walking is in caring for an elderly person who doesn't remember who you are, or having a lack of money, or dysfunctional family situations, or a history of abuse, or mental health challenges, or most likely more than one or two different shoes in your life that put you in situations that are painful. No one else can walk in my shoes or in your shoes. And that's the point. They may know a similar path and they may need to hear your similar story because it helps. Maybe my story and what God has brought me through and the victory that I walk in, in my shoes will help encourage someone else to put their shoes on every day and continue to walk the walk that they're supposed to walk with God with them to talk the talk that they're supposed to talk to understand that no matter what happens in their shoes there's hope in Jesus Christ because you can have faith in God and you can have faith in yourself that you're walking or you're supposed to walk and God will help you do it but I'm the only one that can tell my story because I'm the only one that can walk in these shoes that fit my feet best and you're the only one that can tell your story because you're the only one that can walk in those shoes that fit you best. Our shoes were designed for us and they fit us. I may not always like what's going on while I'm in my shoes on this path. In fact, there are a lot of times I can't stand it. And I talk to the Lord about it. Believe me, sometimes I yell and scream to the Lord about it and pour things out. I don't always choose the right thing to do while I'm in these shoes though. God, sometimes I, I, I want to wear those pretty fancy heels that make my butt look better, but those shoes don't fit me. And I say, God, God, sometimes I want to do this, but in the long run, those shoes would hurt me far more than the ones I was made to wear. So if I tried to set out on a path that I'm not as designed to be on, it would just hurt me in the end. And, and I would also forego the blessings of the path that God has for me. Sometimes I've even tried to trot down a different path, kind of slap on a different pair of shoes and go a different way, you know, a way that I know I'm not supposed to go because I don't want to go where I know I'm supposed to head. And if that sounds familiar, that's because it's extremely normal of us human beings, if you will, because Jonah did it, but God swallowed him up with a whale and spit him out where he was supposed to go in the first place. 
Moses didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. He didn't feel like he could talk in front of people and he didn't want to go up on that mountain. Sometimes walking in our own shoes can be daunting. We might want sympathy for our path and props and and kudos for the shoes we wear and the crosses we bear. But yet we human beings have the habit of looking at someone else and having no respect or sympathy or kudos or empathy for what they're going through and in the shoes they have to walk in. And, and sometimes we don't even try to understand what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. You know, we can't be in them, but we can empathize. We do have the ability to do that. God made us with the ability to empathize with others, to have compassion for other people, to try to at least imagine with these brilliant brains he put inside us, just what it's like to be in someone else's shoes so that we can truly empathize. The Bible has a lot to say about empathy, by the way. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. It doesn't say take their place for a day first so you know what it's like to weep. It says rejoice and weep with them. Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Colossians 3, 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So I just want to leave you with one more thought about this good old shoe topic. We bandy around the idea of put yourself in someone else's shoes pretty often in our world and in our culture. But how do you expect someone else to understand what it's like to be in your shoes? Because, you know, they actually can't be in your shoes. How do you expect them, though, to understand your situation and your challenges if you don't share your life, your knowledge, the good and the bad of this race marked out for you? How do you expect them to understand that? And all the while, sometimes we sit and complain. Well, they don't understand. They don't care. They don't empathize with me. And yet, we don't share enough with them what it's like to be in our shoes. Now, not everyone is as forthcoming and talkative as, I don't know, me. (laughs) Not everyone is as mouthy as I am. I share what it's like to be in my shoes, though, with other people, not so they'll feel sorry for me. But so number one, they know that they are not alone. Other people get it. I may not be in their exact shoes, but I just may know a little something about what their challenges are, about what that kind of pain is that they have, about loneliness that they feel. And so it helps. And secondly, I share so they will understand that it's not all about me. I point the finger to Jesus. It's his way, not mine. My life is his life and this path he has for me has purpose. And thirdly, I share so they can empathize. I would like people to empathize with me rather than judge me. They don't have to walk in my shoes to show me empathy, to weep with me or rejoice with me, either one. And I would like to empathize with other people and not judge them, which is what I try really hard to do because like many of you, I've been on the other end of it many times in my life where other people have judged me. You know, even with these shoes I walk in and these challenges that I have, I am blessed I love to walk. I love to hike. I hiked the Grand Canyon once and I've walked and and hiked in some deserts and in the mountains. I love to travel. I love to be out in the yard and do gardening and walk on trails and, and, and do housework. 
Yes, I, I actually feel blessed to be able to do housework because there are sometimes that I can't. It's not always the case that I can't. Sometimes I do need help though, but I have spent many an hour doing housework and being thankful for it. Okay, and partly because I have OCD and I like things clean. But these are things that I can accomplish. I might have to do them a little bit differently than someone else or take a little bit longer to do them, kind of a different pace, but I do them and I'm thankful. Because I share so candidly doesn't mean that I'm better than anyone else. It doesn't mean that I want somebody to feel sorry for me either. That means that I want to share with them the fact that I can rejoice even in the middle of pain, even in the middle of challenges. And even though my shoes may be uncomfortable at times and this path and this purpose that I have to walk out is really challenging and difficult, I'm still here. I'm still doing it. And I'm here for a reason. And you're where you are for a reason and a purpose too. If you share what it's like to be in your shoes with someone else, then you are helping other people to empathize and to stretch themselves and grow themselves spiritually and mentally, by the way, and to stretch their abilities in a godly way. That's why I share what I share. That's why I'm such an open book. Now, the Bible says that we're supposed to share when we have come through something. That if we've gone through the fire, we're supposed to then reach back and help somebody else through that fire. We can't do that if we clam up. We can't do that if we just stand on some pedestal or a high horse and point fingers at other people and complain about how they have no empathy. If we don't open up about who we are sincerely, genuinely, truthfully, realistically, and share what our life and our path and our challenges are like, what it's like to be in our shoes, then we should not be sad when we get not one ounce of empathy from someone else because they cannot read our minds and they cannot walk in our shoes because our shoes are what fit us best, not them. They can only see what they can see. So what I hope and pray others see is someone who is walking the walk that she was called to walk. When they look at me, that's what I want them to see. Not always elegantly and not without an occasional tripping over myself here and there, but still working hard to run this race that was set out before me. I want them to see that the Lord is in the middle of it and that I give him all glory and credit and honor. I pray for you today that you will seek God for the courage to share more of who you are with other people and the shoes that you have to walk in and where he calls you to walk. So you can be an example and an encouragement to other people and a place for them to deposit some empathy here and there, maybe as you need it. And that you remember that your shoes fit you best and don't ever expect anyone else to walk in them. Run the race marked out for you, not for someone else. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Woman Inspired Podcast. Have a blessed week.